0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, May 12th, we are studying Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 19. The Lord calls Jeremiah as a youth to be a prophet to the nations. He puts his word into Jeremiah's mouth in order to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us the Reverend Dr. Timothy Seleska. Dr. Seleska serves as Professor of Exegetical Theology and Dean of Ministerial Formation at Concordia Seminary Saint in St. Louis, Missouri. He's also the basketball coach, too, I think. Dr. Seleska, welcome to Sharp Roundup.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me, actually. It's fun. Fun to be able to reconnect with you, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, really, really pleased to have you today. To talk about the prophet Jeremiah. We we started this yesterday. Doctor Lessing gave us a an overview of the first three verses, a, a bit of an overview of the book as a whole. As we prepare to look at the the call of Jeremiah in today's text, uh, any context you'd like to to repeat for us? Any any thoughts on the book of Jeremiah as a whole? Why is it a good book for us to read? Just help us get started this morning.
1: Oh man, well, I'm sure Reed did a great job on that. So um, just. Uh... As he probably mentioned, a couple of important things. Um, I mean, there were some kind of world-shaking events that happened during Jeremiah's ministry, which, what, was like around 40 year years, um, you know, from uh, Josiah's death to, uh, you know, the, the um, reign of several of his uh, sons and um, the death of the Assyrian king, Ashurbanipal, The fall of Nineveh, the Assyrian uh, empire that had kind of reigned in the region for, what, uh, 300 years, a huge deal. Fall of Nineveh in 612, 609, the Battle of Megiddo, and Assyria dies once and for all. Josiah dies in that battle. 605, Nebuchadnezzar defeats Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish. So there's a rapid change of occupation in the land of Judah from Assyria to Babylon, Uh, you know, during his ministry, there was two or three deportations from Jerusalem, the last one accompanying the um, destruction of Jerusalem, and so, you know, we think times are bad now. Uh, I try to imagine what it must have been like for Jeremiah. Um, Also, an interesting thing is just kind of his background, which I'm sure Reed thoroughly explained as being from the priests at Anathoth and how uh that kind of plays into the larger biblical story and background. So uh those you know that's kind of the, the um situation out of which uh Jeremiah comes and into which God calls him. And uh his message um you know reflects all of those things uh the word that he brings uh i think jeremiah is very relevant for us to read um in uh, you know from our perspective um as we wait for god to deliver on his promises just like uh as israel was going through these what what was actually judgment from god for their idolatry for their apostasy um Then um, where was the hope that God would deliver on their promises as well during this very daunting time? And so, um, you know, we can kind of begin to situate ourselves that way, even though we are on this side of uh, Jesus and His resurrection.
0: The the just the I mean, as you said, Jeremiah's ministry spans
1: all these rather earth-shaking events.
0: That complete change of of world power from Assyria moving into the hands of Babylon then. And then, of course, I mean, if you go all the way to the end of Jeremiah's ministry, the complete earth-shattering event of the fall of Jerusalem yeah. to the hands of Babylon as well. I think, I mean, is there, it's hard for us, I think, on, you know, 2,500 years later, to really comprehend just the magnitude of these events for the people of Israel. Is there any kind of comparison to, I've I've been trying particularly with the fall of Jerusalem, just how earth shattering that would have been for Jeremiah and for the people of Judah. Is there any kind of of comparison that you could offer? I've, I've been struggling to do that.
1: Well that, you know, it's, it's really hard. I mean, I would think when you go to events in the Middle East and you see kind of destruction that happens in the various countries, And we actually can see pictures of people who have been displaced and homes shattered by bombs and all those kinds of things. Um, You know, it's just uh, – and if you travel to uh, uh, Israel today and kind of look at some of those places like the destruction of Lachish and – uh, when they destroyed the city, it's kind of daunting to think they threw the heads or the skulls of people over the wall, and, you know, they actually found a pile of those bones uh, when they have done excavations there. Um, the distress and anxiety, <laughs> we have ours here at, at more of an emotional level, you know, um, cognitive level of stuff, Um for a lot of us. A lot of people feel suffering more physically. So so in just think about in ancient Jerusalem, it was not just political anxiety over kind of power plays by leaders, but actually physical slaughter and death and untold suffering. And, and I mean that's still going on in our world today. So what does God how does God's word speak to us And into those kinds of situations. And, you know, uh, it's kind of hard for us to imagine what that must be like just going on in a place like the Middle East uh, today, even.
0: Sure. But I mean, as as you said, in our own personal lives with the the various terrors, trials, destructions that we may be facing individually. Jeremiah does remain a very applicable book for us today. Dr. Lessing, I think, called Jeremiah the, the Survivor, a book for survivors. And I think that's going to be a helpful handle for us as we as we journey through this book over the next several months. In terms of the, the context, we've, we've got the, the large sweeping context. We're looking at the call scene of Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah tells us in the first three verses that he began his ministry in the 13th year of the reign of King Josiah which i'm I'm assuming that's when verses four through nineteen are are taking place. Yeah. Can you give us a, a feel for what what life would have been like in Judah under that reign of King Josiah about the thirteenth year
1: well, well, remember Josiah was one of those good kings, namely he um, trusted in the Lord, and um actually you know there was a reform in which um Uh, He kind of got rid of the high places and tried to restore um, Israel to faithfulness. Um, But you remember already, you know, if his call was, let's just say, in like 627, um, something like that would have been around the 13th year of his reign, I believe. Um, uh, Assyria was on the bridge of falling. You know, Babylon was in the background so maybe there was a, it was a time of some stability but but even then they were uh the shadow of assyria and the grip of other nations was over them and so you have that as well
0: hmm. in in terms of, both, of what about the
1: say.
0: oh I'm sorry go ahead yeah no go ahead well, I was just saying I mean, in terms of the so – what about in terms of like the religious life for the people of Judah around that time? I, know, I mean Jer- Josiah is very well known for his reforms. I think it's not until the, the 18th year of his reign where they find the book of the law there yeah. in the temple and things kind of really get going. Right. He's starting some, I, I think, before – I mean so what's the, what's the religious scene in, in Jerusalem and Judah?
1: So, uh, you can already see that in, uh, right after Jeremiah's call in chapter two, which you'll probably get to. But, um, notice how Jeremiah begins to describe it in very, in very poignant terms. Um, he remembers how devoted they were and now, um, how they have forsaken the Lord. You know, and he kind of goes into that in pretty good detail in, um, Right at the beginning of his book. So uh, they were, you know, both syncretistic worship and pagan worship um, on various, in various um, places, you know, they call the English translations have the high places where they would um, offer sacrifices to other gods and put their trust in other gods and and other means, rather than in the Lord. So there was that kind of um, oh, what what would you say, religious um, unfaithfulness, you know. To and, and it's a basic kind of trust issue, right. you know. Fear, should fear, love, and trust in the Lord above all things. So they were uh, putting their hopes in other gods, other places, other lovers. And so Jeremiah is one of those prophets that has images of unfaithfulness compared to uh, adultery uh, as kind of the closest image in human terms for what Israel's unfaithfulness, the breaking specifically of the first commandment, um, meant in his, their relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah I mean we're going to see it particularly in the first couple of chapters how that image yeah. just gets repeated and repeated by Jeremiah of how yep. that unfaithfulness that idolatry is the same as adultery and it and it comes up here too in in our our verses for today as this breaking of the first first commandment the matter of idolatry that's that's at the heart of everything that's happening in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that, and that's what Jeremiah is preaching against. So let's go ahead and, and take a look at the text for today. We're, in, okay. again, in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, the call oh. of Jeremiah. All right. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow to build and to plant. I think we'll pause there. That's Jeremiah yeah. one verses four to ten. So right away, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with Dr. Lessing. The word of the Lord came to me. Dr. Lessing, I think, said some some commentators in the Book of Jeremiah consider the word of the Lord one of the the quote characters in the in the Book of Jeremiah because it's just so prominent. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I mean, right away, here comes the word of the Lord, and it's the call of Jeremiah. And it really, it goes all the way back to the beginning of Jeremiah's existence. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He says, take us into those those first words of the Lord to Jeremiah in verse 5.
1: Sure. I mean, that, that verse 4, we, yeah, I want to dwell on that a little, just uh, verse 4, what that means. So the word of the Lord, uh, I mean, if you translate very woodenly, was to me, but it's translated with that genom, I think, uh, in the New Testament, came to me. Um. And I want to build probably on some things that Reed said uh, and kind of put it in kind of an interesting way that some of my colleagues have been talking about. If you think of the uh, eternal Logos, the second person of the Trinity, he makes his appearances in the Old Testament in um, kind of these pre-incarnate manifestations of the divine word, right? Right. Um, so we see that in the Malach Yahweh, the angel of the Lord who speaks. Uh, and you know, Remember in those texts and the narratives, the angel of the Lord starts out and then it may switch to Yahweh says or Yahweh does as he brings God's word. So he speaks with the authority of Yahweh. And in our uh, tradition, we have interpreted that as the eternal Logos, the pre incarnate second person of the Trinity. Same thing with the Kavod Yahweh that dwells above the mercy seat, for example. And so uh, you see a lot of similarities in the call of Jeremiah with even the call of Moses. Um, Remember where the Lord stepped out of hiding for a second and appeared in the burning bush. And then the call of Samuel as well, where the the Lord came. And it seems to be this kind of, you know, our immediate thought is to go, okay, he had some kind of a dream or vision. But... The text doesn't actually say that, and the and texts the prophetic texts in general are rather vague about the nature or of the prophetic experience or prophetic experiences. Sometimes God talked to them in visions and dreams, certainly, but in this kind of thing, you can um, uh, pro- think more in those tangible terms. So my colleague said, you know, yeah, you have to remember that. Uh, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Eternal Logos are kind of outside of time, and they can enter our time when they want. So mm-hmm. uh, one colleague said, yeah, it's like the time-traveling Jesus. So in the Old Testament, uh, the prophets and Abraham and the um, patriarchs knew him uh, as he appeared to them, as he kind of stepped out of hiding. Okay? Um, this is the same one who took on flesh uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us that we see in the New Testament. All right. So the incarnate word. And uh, I kind of like to think of it that way. And so it adds a tangibility to um, to those words um, when uh, uh, God says here uh, that verse nine, he puts out his hand and touches his mouth. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, you know, so we, you know, our automatic interpretation, I mean, again, I can't go to the wall for this. Our automatic term is, okay, this is some kind of visionary experience. He's imagining God's hand. But maybe not. Maybe we should just take the words quite literally um, and uh Think that, yep, that here's here's the time-traveling Jesus, the eternal Logos, who has come as the Word. So you see this formula, the Word of the Lord came to me. The Word of the Lord came to me um, a lot of times in the prophets and here at the beginning of Jeremiah. Um, and uh, his call then is parallel to the call of, like I said, others that the Lord had called to do his work and ministry. Uh, Samuel and Moses come immediately to mind, but certainly other prophets Uh, As well, Isaiah is another one, of course. Um, So you have that. The word of the Lord came to me saying, and now notice, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You see, so uh, this is the one, uh, again, um, the creator of all things, who knows all things, and what he determines, what he says happens So his word has power, okay, so that when we see this, I knew you, we, again, as Westerners, think of more kind of cognitive knowledge, namely, maybe I knew about you. But remember in the Old Testament that know is heavier with meaning in a lot of places, all the way down to the most intimate knowing of the relationship between a husband and a wife. But uh, in in uh, the prophetic text, to know can also mean to choose, to select. So it has that, and, and so those English glosses, to choose, to elect, to pick, um, are more appropriate in a context like this. Um, so that, uh, remember, God, uh, before Jer- Jeremiah, was, was born, was conceived. Um, God had chosen him. Um, uh, And notice he reemphasizes that with uh, repeating before you came out from the womb. So before I formed you in the womb, before you came out, then you have this, the, the, uh, the normal translation for that Hikdash Tika. I set you apart. I sanctified you, see, namely, and that's what it means. I set you apart. So notice that that word is in parallel with I knew you. He's rewording uh, what uh, happened in eternity uh, that he is now bringing to pass in time with those two words. I knew you before he came out. I set you apart. Uh, And then he continues, and I'll stop after this to let you reflect on it. A prophet to the nations, uh, I set you. So you have those three words, I knew you, I set you apart, I set, uh, I set you up, or I established you. And notice that the office to which God has put him is that Navi, a prophet. And then you have that word, not to Israel, not to Judah, but mm-hmm. much bigger than that. To the nations, holy cow, what does that mean for the rest of his prophecy? And how does that look? What is he is he going to Assyria and Babylon, or are they coming to him or or is his message going to be spoken to whoever he speaks it to, but others better listen i mean it's that's a that 's huge. most of us are called to our little churches he's called he 's called to the nation my goodness
0: <laughs> no that that definitely stands out I think in the the call of Jeremiah that he is this prophet yeah. to the nations, and even you know when you look at his the first three verses, the context that's set there is all within Jerusalem and Judah, and then suddenly, when the Lord comes to him is hey you 're a prophet to the nations, this word that you 're going to speak, which I, I think, and of course you know we 're going to read this this whole book, but I mean primarily that preaching is going to happen in the area of Jerusalem and Judah, but there is a, a big section coming up toward the end where it's it 's dedicated to the mm-hmm. nations particularly yeah, yeah. and I, I think I think even though I mean even even then though even when you're in parts of Jeremiah that are spoken directly to the the kings the false prophets the priests there in Jerusalem and in Judah still that has implications for the nations. I mean when I when I when I see that I appointed you a prophet to the nations what what comes to my mind I I go back to Abraham and the the mm-hmm. call that God gave to Abraham that you know he was going to be or through Abraham God was going to bless all the families of the earth. Uh, yeah. And so through this word that the prophet Jeremiah is given to speak the all the nations of the earth will be blessed and, and i mean and i I'm, i don't want to jump too quickly to christ but i mean that's where where my mind at least is starting to go
1: yeah so i it's really interesting when you look at the at the prophets and their preaching you have these oracles against the nations as you said in which god's word brings judgment to all those who are opposed to him and his people and his chosen ones. But you also have this stream in which the nations are going to be included in the promise. Um, You know, you can see that clearly in Isaiah's um, uh, servant songs, for example, that this servant is going to be a light to the nations. And you see it in the prophecies in which all nations flow to Zion uh, for their instruction from the Lord. And so you have those two strains of kind of law gospel, uh, that, that dynamic flowing through the prophets. And so when we think prophet to the nations, I think you're exactly right. It's not just um, God's going to bring his judgment against others, but also, hey, wait a minute, his word also has the power to raise up uh, and to bring to his kingdom, which is going to be over all things his rules over all things, includes nations. And I think that that's an important part of the prophecy of Jeremiah and all the prophets as well. So, yep, you're exactly right, I think, to begin to see into the nations both the judgment and salvation.
0: The other thing that, that stands out of the, the call here in verse 5, and as the text will continue on, is how the Lord is is in charge here. You know, I formed you, I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. And and that's going to give Jeremiah confidence going forward because we're going to start to look at at his doubts, his concerns here as we pick up the text. And we're going to do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFU, looking at the call of Jeremiah in Jeremiah Chapter 1 with Dr. Timothy Seleska. We'll be right back. Please stick around. On the next Lamplighter Theater. Look at all the treasure this thief has gathered. Everyone has moments of fear.
1: Get away! I will, you.
0: This is the story of one family who risks all to follow Jesus.
1: You made your choice at the baptism. See
0: their faith put to the test. Don't miss the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide
1: KFUO.
0: Greetings, saints of our Lord. This is Brady Finnern of Thy Strong Word, and I'm excited to announce a new series in the Old Testament with First and Second Kings. Join us as we will see how the Lord works through the kings of Israel and Judah. Join us to be renewed and refreshed by God's Word and to be pointed to our resurrected Lord Jesus. Every weekday from 11 to noon, live or on demand, because God has gifts to give for you. Welcome back to Sharp Iron. It is Wednesday, May 12th. We're studying Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4-19 to 19 with Dr. Timothy Seleska. He serves as professor of exegetical theology, dean of ministerial formation, and basketball coach at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Dr. Seleska, did y'all get to play any basketball games this year?
1: We did not. Our whole season was canceled, and I still remember when you bad. played with us. And uh, I hope you still <laughs> get some games in. But right, the gym finally opened uh second semester for limited use so we've been playing 3 on 3 4 on 4 but uh our uh floor has become almost unplayable on one side of the gym it's because oh, it's man. just so slippery and old we really i'm plugging for uh, a new floor but yeah I, a bunch of fourth year guys uh play together a bunch of first year guys play but uh it's been very difficult to um uh, schedule games and stuff but hopefully in the fall we'll start up again i'm really yeah, hopeful that-
0: That'd be great. That'd be great. Most of my basketball these days is limited to, to the driveway with my, with my sons, but we, we play a pretty You're mean so game. Yeah. You're so good. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember as well as I do, but I <laughs> I do. I, I, now I get to, I actually do some little dribbler coaching here in town. We, our season got canceled this year too, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, okay. so into, into Jeremiah again, the Jeremiah gets the call from the Lord. And as you were saying, are saying, there's some similarities between Jeremiah's call and the call of Moses and other prophets, and and I think you really start to see those as Jeremiah speaks up in objection. So you know he yeah. he tells the Lord, I don't, I don't know how to talk, which that's you know Moses 2.0, and and I'm only a youth. And of course the Lord the Lord has a response. So take us into the Jeremiah's objection and then the Lord's response.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean it's very interesting. He has that word ah. I mean you can almost translate it in Hebrew ah. <laughs> It's not just, it's bad news when God tells you, I've chosen you to be a prophet to the nation. Yeah, you, know, you don't take that as oh hey, hey, I'm I'm ready for this. Um and it's kinda interesting, I think, um, that uh he said, Oh, uh Adonai Elohim so he uses both words. Look, Hine, I don't know how to speak. So same word that God says, I know you, name I've chosen you, he says, I don't know to speak, Taber and that doesn't mean that he has some speech um challenges or anything like that it's just like you know uh there's a lot that goes into preaching to being a preacher he doesn't know how to do that and and, and then he says for an hour i'm just i'm just a young person um and uh so he hasn't been trained um he's with the other priests uh, priesthood in Anathoth that's been kind of exiled there um and this is totally kind of out of his um out of his bailiwick uh coming from kind of nowhere so you can imagine uh what this appearance of the word of god to him uh must have been like and he's properly humbled um properly uh, dismayed by, by the call. Now, in the
0: Lord's response, you know the Lord says, "Don't, don't give these objections because I've, I've got the answer." And, and some of this, I think, is a little reminiscent. Well, again, of Moses, the, the Lord promises, "I'm with you." I think, you know, sometimes in that Exodus three scene, we forget it's not just that the Lord says, "I am who I am," but He says, "I am with you" to Moses. Yeah. And it's a, a similar promise here to Jeremiah. And, and maybe even a few echoes, and I think this comes out a little more uh, toward the end of this chapter. But some echoes of the the call to Joshua, this matter of you know, be strong, don't be afraid. I'm I'm the one sending you, the Lord says.
1: Yes, um, and two, I want to take you back uh, as you guys are kind of thinking about verse seven, and I'll co- kind of go over that. But if you just let me let me take you to Deuteronomy chapter eighteen because there's this important passage um, that Moses um, tells the people regarding prophet and prophecy in general um, that we have to see because I kind of look at Moses as the prototype for all the prophets, and you can kind of see that in the prophets as you kind of move through uh, the former prophets and then into the writing prophets. But remember that what, I'm going to just read a few verses here, and as you are looking at verse 7, notice what uh, the similarities. So Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. And then he says, like me, from among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb. Remember, they said, don't speak to us. Don't let God speak to us. Uh, you speak to us. All right? Um So then he says, and the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. Now he says this, verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And then he says, and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak them, speak to them all that I command you. Um, And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And so there Moses sets up uh the the great blessing of Israel. And everyone needs to see this <laughs> is that Israel always got a preacher. Okay? Is keep that in mind. Israel always got a preacher, and that's one thing that distinguishes them from like Egypt, for example, or Babylon or Assyria. And so um, when Israel was unfaithful, God sent preachers after preacher after preacher. And you remember that that uh, the Lord says this over and over again. He says, I kept sending you prophets and you would not listen. So think of the prophet as the preacher. What does he preach? Law and gospel, probably uh, better to say judgment and salvation. And so um, Israel always had that a word of God from God. And of course, as Moses is speaking here, you can see it play out in the history of Israel. You can see it play out in Jeremiah's life right here, where God says, Hey, don't worry. Not only am I going to be with you, I'm going to put my words in your mouth, you know, and that's reflecting Moses. And of course, comes to its head or climax when God's word actually comes in the flesh. Hmm. And so it's important that, uh, I love that passage in uh, Hebrews, you know, chapter one. In many and various times, God spoke to his people, how? Through the prophets, but now what? In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. So his son is his word, his preaching, his proclamation to us. And that word is uh, the word of the cross and resurrection. Look what I have planned for you, my people. Um, this is the promise of of resurrection, of Um, coming through death to resurrection that is God's promise for his people. And you can see that in the preaching of Jeremiah as well. So all the prophets point forward uh, with the word that they speak to the word spoken in the flesh. And um, so I think that there's a lot of thought and connections uh, right here in this call, in this verse. So you don't have to worry about being a youth.
0: That's right, yeah. So, so Jeremiah, he stands in this line of prophets, Moses as the prototype, and then, of course, leading all the way ultimately to the climax in Christ when he comes as the one even greater than Moses, greater mm-hmm. than, than Jeremiah. As mm-hmm. the, the call scene continues in, in verse 9, you pointed this out earlier, the Lord puts his hand on Jeremiah's mouth, and, and you suggested that we should probably think of that maybe more physically than we, we are prone to. So I like you know, to, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and
0: I, I think that's a, a fantastic insight. And then the, the Lord says, I'm going to, he puts his words in Jeremiah's mouth. And then in verse 10, it it's like he gives the, the paradigm for Jeremiah's ministry, kind of the outline of what Jeremiah is going to speak. I, I think it's important, you know, again, he's, Jeremiah is actually over nations and over kingdoms. This word of the Lord is mm-hmm. more powerful than even, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the big things in Jeremiah is going to be Babylon's coming with destruction. And yet from the get go, the word of the lord stands over all of it as that and that's what jeremiah has and that's what's going to bring to you use what dr Lessing said yesterday that's what makes jeremiah a survivor is that word and then all who place their trust in the word take us take us into the the call and the this outline that we get in verse 10 of jeremiah's ministry okay
1: okay um yeah let me uh, i want to back up just to verse 7 and kind of take us through uh how what he says so so jeremiah resist, you know, I'm just a youth. And the Lord said, then he gets very personal. The Lord said to me, don't say, a youth am I, because to every place which I will send you, you should go. And everything which I command you, you should speak. Do not be afraid of them. Why? Here's that great promise, because as you mentioned earlier, because I am with you, okay? I am with you. And notice what it says, to deliver you, all right? So God's prophet is promised deliverance. Um, And it's kind of an interesting pattern. Again, God's people always get deliverance. They get redemption. Um, They get salvation. You see that in the person of the prophet, uh, who is the mouthpiece of God. And as the prophet speaks, you should consider that as actually God speaking, as As um, uh, God told Moses, and as Moses told the people, uh, these are my words, okay? And again, wow, you know, we kind of think of a gap between actual God's words and the words we speak, even from the pulpit, right? There's a lot of wiggle room there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that gap is not there for these prophets, uh, uh, you know, uh, and so... I'm going to make another point about this in a second, says the Lord. So he finishes up that one saying, okay? Uh, so first he says that, and now Jeremiah describes this action. This, and, and again, think now in terms of more of a sacrament. You have this sign connected with promise. That's what our sacraments are, right? We have water, bread, and wine connected with this promise that God um, has uh, put in them and to which we cling. So now you have that. So first you have his word, and then you have, and the Lord sent out his hand, and he touched upon my mouth. Again, there's Isaiah, right, like there. Oh, yeah. Yep. But he touched his mouth. Um, and I, I just think in Isaiah, too, you have this very kind of physical experience. It's not just some mystical dream world thing. I I just I don't think so. Okay, and the Lord said to me, "Look, I have put my words in your mouth, holy cow. Um, and so see, there's the, you have this sign with this promise. The promise is when you speak it's going to be my words I'm speaking. And that becomes important in just a second. So he had to cling to that, He had to cling to that promise. You see, so what God does is give him a promise to cling to. And remember, uh, when we go through Jeremiah's life, think about this. God gives him a promise, and then he covers it over, as if, and so very much, so often in Jeremiah's physical life and his history, it is it looks as if God has abandoned him. I mean, Jerusalem is falling. He is put in prison, Um Uh, People don't listen to him. Remember, he has those what are sometimes called confessions, but he has these laments um, over this fact. So what God does is give him a promise and then covers it over. So he has to actually live by faith, not by sight. And that's what he does for his people. Um, I mean, you know, Luther makes this huge point that uh, he gave... Abraham has promised that in Isaac your seed will be called. And then he tells Abraham to go uh, sacrifice his son. That, what kind of God does that? And that's God's way with his people um, so that we don't live by sight. We live by faith. So he does this. Um, and, but he has this sign and this promise to which you must cling. Okay, And then he says, look, and then he has this further. So I sent it. And so these are my words on your mouth. Got to trust that promise. Okay, Look. I've appointed you this day, and like you said, over the nations. And now he's very deliberate here in the grammar because he keeps repeating over, over, over. Over the nations and over the kingdoms. Okay? And now he says, why? And here's the point I want to make. To pull up and to tear down. Okay? To... Um, Destroy, to bring to destruction, and then another word for to destroy. All right. Then he has the opposite to build and to plant. Okay. There you can see the echoes of this law, gospel, judgment, salvation dynamic, this polarity that you will see through the whole book. Um, and the point that I want to make here, above all, is that, you see, God does what he says and says what he does. We, we always have to remember that God's word is an effective word. Our omnipotent God, the almighty God, the cruel, creator and ruler of all things, um, exercises his omnipotence through his word, and so, what? That's why kings were afraid of prophets. You know, there was an, when you think of hierarchies of power, the king was the most powerful person in the nation, and yet they were brought to their knees very often by what the prophet said, uh, and because they knew that what the prophet spoke, the very words of God, and God's word does what it says. You know, God spoke, and the world was created. So when the prophet speaks destruction. You can bet it's going to happen, and the same way with building. And so we have to think of God's Word in those kind of effective terms. And notice that uh, the amazing paradox in all that is that it's the greatest strength through weakness. So this weak vessel, Jeremiah, um, you know, just a youth. Uh, Remember Isaiah, I'm just a sinner. Um, Moses, uh, I don't know how to speak um you know and other prophets as well um god sh- god exercises his his strength in the word and we uh continue to preach today because we know god does his work through his word he does what he says and he says what he does and that's what happens in the prophets he says what he's going to do and he does it
0: mm. And I, I think that provides a good bridge into this, this next section where Jeremiah yeah. has these visions, the, the first vision particularly. So let's, let's read the rest of our text this morning. We're picking up here in Jeremiah 1 at verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You've seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be set loose, let loose upon all the, all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come. And every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. That's the rest of our text for today, all the way through Jeremiah 119. Dr. Seleska, just as a heads up, we got about 12 minutes here. So just to, I know this, I don't I should have split this text into two sections. I suppose, looking at it now, <laughs> with these with these two visions, as you were talking earlier about the you know what the means that the word of the Lord came to me, I, I kind of got in my mind you know maybe we should picture this section verses eleven through sixteen almost like Jeremiah is walking through his hometown of Anathoth with someone. And I mean, kind of like the three visitors to Abraham in Genesis 18, and, and yeah. Jeremiah's just kind of walking through Anathoth, and and the Lord says to him, hey, look at that almond tree over there, or hey, look at that boiling pot there. And yeah. and that's how, I mean, is that, and again, not to go too far, but is that kind yeah. of the, the physicality that you're talking about?
1: Well, that's really interesting, uh, an interesting idea that uh, I kind of really like that, um, that if we're going to... Think about it that way. uh, That that would be a possible way to go. Of course, you know ultimately um, what's actually going on here doesn't matter for the message. But it's actually good to think that that may be a possibility. I mean, because there is a definite play on words with almond tree, right? That uh, you kind of can't get into English. So um, there's several kind of plays on words uh, in this section, and actually throughout the prophets, that it's really fun to see. but, uh, yeah, so you have this, and again, remember that Jeremiah, as a lot of the other prophets, are filled with what we call these sign prophecies. Um, and they're physical, remember? So that's, that's another thing that makes me think maybe there's something a lot to what you're saying here. Um, and when you think of those, think more in sacramental terms. They're signs connected with the Word of God. Right. So we always think of um, in, in terms of the word that they preach and the signs that they show are like our preaching and our sacraments. And so you can kind of see that in their ministries. So he shows them this um, almond rod and he says, look, I am watching. Oh, and no, what does he say? He doesn't say I'm watching over my people. He says, (laughs) I'm watching over my word to do it. So notice how this section picks up on the previous section. The focus is on God's word here. Can God do what he says is in the background of um, this whole thing. And Jeremiah's call, is is God really going to be faithful to his word? Is he really going to do what he says? And notice that here the Lord emphasizes that again. I'm watching over my word. And, and so you have that, and then you have this other, the word of the Lord came to me a second time. All right? Uh, what do you see? I see a pot, and actually the word is uh, being blown, all right? Uh, because it's a passive participle, which most translations go boiling. But if you think it's being—so I read at least one commentary that suggested that it was uh, a pot on fire, and the wind was, of course, fanning the flames, Um, And the face of it was before the north. And the Lord said to me from the north, um, the evil will be opened. All right. There's kind of a play on words here. But what I want you to see is that God kills and raises. He's the one that's responsible for the calamity and disaster as well as the good and the blessing. He's in control of all things. There, as Luther says, there's nothing outside of God, no outsideness of God. And so uh, the ra'ah will be open. So that's the same word uh, um, over the inhabitants of this land uh, that you'll see a little later. Why? Because they have done ra'ah, the evil thing. All right? So there's that kind of judgment that's coming. Um over all the inhabitants of the land, Um, and um, then he see the uh, word coming from the north, that that prophecy is going to be fulfilled, of course, in uh, Babylon, all right? Um, Then as you get to the end, I mean, it's very interesting um, how he describes, he, he reassures Jeremiah one more time in verse 18, and as for me, look, I have set you today as a fortified city, and uh, as an as a iron pillar and uh, as uh, brass or bronze walls over all the land. Um, notice he has to live by promise here. They will fight against you. So he tells Jeremiah. And remember, uh, yeah, Jeremiah didn't have it easy. They will fight against you. How would you like? Pastor, here's your call, and your people are all going to fight against you. Not only your people, your elders. Uh, but they won't prevail over you, don't worry, because I'm with you. So see how that, his call ends exactly, there's that nice inclusio, for with you am I, says the Lord, to deliver you. And remember that that's how uh, his call sort of started out there, up there way back in verse 8, don't be afraid of them because with you am I to deliver you. See the same kind of grammatical structure and words that kind of began the Lord's um, promises to Jeremiah and his promise. So he ends it with that word of hope. And again, as I said before, Jeremiah's got to live with that promise, because to all visible appearances, it's not true. To all visible, you know, and Jeremiah, Jeremiah doesn't have an easy time. It's not as if he gets to live this triumphant life uh, that everyone sees, you know, it's just the opposite. And uh, so he has to trust the Lord and that's the life of the prophet, that life of faith and uh, assurance, uh, uh, trust in the promise. Uh, And you see, so you see in this section as well, promises throughout um, this passage to him personally also this word of judgment right now, which is what what uh, Jeremiah is called to preach, only with the hope that there's going to be a turn for building and planting again. Because Israel uh, okay. always gets that promise, always gets that turn to hope, always gets that gospel in their preaching. And that's why there's that dynamic throughout the rest of the book that you're going to be able to see. I don't know if so, that makes it, sense, Tim. <clears throat> yeah, it, it does.
0: It does. And so I mean with these with these two visions, the Lord is assuring Jeremiah that he is going to do as as you said. God does what he says and he says what he does. And, and that's the the idea of the almond branch sprouting the signs mm-hmm. of of spring. So when the Lord speaks, you know it's going to happen. And then mm-hmm. he says, "Well, what's going to happen? It's this pot that's that's being blown. You know, the the wind is is blowing it. The fan the flames are being fanned, and maybe even thinking, you know, this is the Lord who's who's blowing on the fire mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. That sure word is this destruction that's coming. And the thing about you know Jeremiah is that Jeremiah he's not. Like he's not an outsider preaching this, you know. He's not like like Amos, who comes from the southern kingdom to go to the northern kingdom. But Jeremiah is one of these people, and he's mm-hmm. gonna, you know, he's gonna suffer there with them. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord, you know, gives him these promises. That, and I think this, you know, the the way that that closes. As you said, this with inclusio with his call this the strengthening of jeremiah that in the midst of all this you know upheaval that the context we talked about at the very beginning assyria being replaced by babylon you know and judah just got kind of being caught up in the midst of all these political upheavals that jeremiah stands there as this you know bronze wall iron pillar a fortified city jerusalem mm-hmm. and its walls will fall even the temple as a building is going to fall but mm-hmm. jeremiah standing in this word of the lord he's he's going to stand firm and and so will all those who who trust in him, which I think is just a I mean, it's a beautiful picture, yeah. and and one that's so very applicable for us today yeah. in the midst of you know I mean wh- what's the the modern day comparison I mean I, I don't know that it's quite the same but there is all kinds of upheaval upheaval yeah. in our world today what what in what will we stand in wh- where will we be that that iron pillar it is only in this word of the Lord with about three four minutes here Dr. Seleska, give us final thoughts on this this text right. bring it home oh. to us.
1: Yeah, no, this is great because uh, there's just one final thought. Notice that the that the scriptures here give you the um, uh, theological significance of political and social events. So on ground level, when we're in the midst of upheavals of nations, we think in terms of political ramifications, economic ramifications, social meanings of all this. You know what's happening. Uh, and we fret about who's in power, who's not, who's taking over, all these political uh, moves have political meaning for us, right? Social meaning. People may lose their jobs, um, we may lose relationships, all kinds of things. And our people get so anxious about all those things. And we forget that over all these kingdoms and powers stands God. And so notice that there's political ramifications with Assyria falling and Babylon rising, uh, economic implications and social implications for Israel. You can dwell just in that world. But this, the Bible reminds us that there's also theological implications, and the theological implications are, are seen in terms of judgment and salvation. God is actually in control of all this, all right? All things are in his hands. And the word that he gave Jeremiah is a word uh, for him to cling to in the midst of all of that. Uh, Remember, at the seminary, we talk about interpret uh, reality theologically, and no one ever actually really filled that in for meaning. But here's a chance for you and your people to us to do that. When we think about the message for today... In our country, just look at all this stuff. We we think only in political terms or economic terms or social terms. That's the world we live in. We have to remember there's theological significance in that God is at work in and through all these things. There's, these things aren't outside of God's power. Um, they're within his power. And what is happening is finally for the sake of his elect and for the coming of his kingdom. And in the midst of this, we remember... Uh, the word that God has put in us, to which we cling in our Lord, who has indeed risen from the dead. And so, yeah, the, there are theological, there is theological significance to what's going on. You know, as Moses said in Psalm 90, we dwell under the wrath of God. As Paul said, the wrath of God is being revealed against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of mankind. And um, in the midst of that. Uh, Where do we find our salvation? Where do we find our hope? And that's the relevancy of the prophets. They give us this view uh, of the theology. What is our relationship with God? What is God's relationship to the world that we often forget? So people, we all need to be at peace and trust in that promise when upheaval is all around us. Is God in control or not? Does God do what he says and says what he does or not?
0: He does. He does what he says. He says what he does. Doctor Doctor Timothy Zaleska is Professor of Exodetical Theology and Dean of Ministerial Formation at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He's also the basketball coach there. Doctor Zaleska, thank you so much for helping us today with Jeremiah chapter one.
1: It's my pleasure, Tim. Thanks very much. Have a great day.
0: I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions, comments about Jeremiah, this program, we would love to hear from you. You can send an email to KFUO at KFUO.org if you want, or you can download the new KFUO app and use the open mic feature. You can send up to a 60-second message to us with your questions, your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.